All right, hi guys. Once again, it's time for the Word of God. There's nothing better than to get into the Word of God because it is the Word that will actually set us apart, sanctify us, and preserve us. All right, so let's let's open our hearts in prayer. We're going to start with prayer and uh, and ask for God to reveal His Word to us, the, all the truth that is contained in you in in His Word. Right. So let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we are so excited. It is the only thing, Lord, we want to be people who are led by the truth in everything that we do, our thinking, our mindset, everything, Lord. We ask that that, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you permeate the way we think, everything that we are with your truth. As we read from the Word of God, your Word, Father, Something will happen. Some, a change will happen in our hearts. Thank you, Jesus. Lead us and also uh, lead me as, as, as your servant, as the declarer of, of, of the word, that I will declare your, your truth in all clarity that's needed. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's just uh, get, into, uh, get straight into it. I am going to read from... Uh, from Romans chapter 8, and uh, I want to read, uh, beginning, I want to begin from uh, uh, verse 28, and uh, all the way to verse uh, 37, so let's, let's just read, Romans 8, verse 28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Okay, his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Verse 31. What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Love it. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is now interceding for us, who shall separate us from the love of Christ, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, Paul quoting from Psalm 44, verse 22. For your sake, we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, 
our Lord. Wow. It's a, it's a passage that is packed with all these punches, you know, like punches of truth. You know, like, I love it. Powerful passage. So, just want to recap from where we've been. So, we've been going through this series talking about our journey of faith. And in that journey, you know, journey that is, it is a journey that's filled with challenges and the need for us to persevere and to endure in this journey. It is a series we used, in this series, we used the examples of, you know, in this faith journey of Joseph as, and, and also Peter, you know, where we push the importance of understanding our call and also with Diane, like not allowing our grief to lead us, but we are led by the call, not by our grief. So uh, last week, because of this journey of faith, in my sermon, I focus more on the aspect of faith itself. Okay. Now, faith, we talk about faith. Everybody talk about, you know, everybody talks about faith. I have faith in you, uh, you know, all kinds of whatever uh, perception of faith. But the question that we have to ask is, what kind of faith that the Bible is talking about in this journey? The powerful thing is, as, we, as I study the Bible and we've heard, you know, some of you have read the Bible and hear different sermons, the kind of faith that is presented by the Bible, like, like I preached last week, is the faith that overcomes the world. That's it. Why is it important? Why, why is that faith important? Because God's intention for believers, us, for us, to not just survive and barely make it to the end, sort of crawling our way to the end, you know, barely like some, some teaching, or, or especially on the doctrine of the, the, the end time. It's like... like this is the, the great tribulation, you know, the whole doctrine of rapture. The great tribulation and it's about to come and, and oh, the tribulation is about to come in, and this is the church, about to come and God's going to quickly snatch the church out of the tribulation so we're all safe. But when you look at the whole of biblical theology, It's all about the church not being snatched out of trouble, but actually God puts the church in the middle of, in the midst of trouble or troublesome situation, and we shine our light in that situation. Doesn't matter how bad it is. Like it says here, no tribulation, no sword, nakedness, or, or all those things will separ separate us from the love of Christ. Okay? So it's not like we're like crawling through the thing and somehow God snatches us out of the things where we, we are not going through tribulation. Jesus, as a matter of fact, is the last word of Jesus to the disciples. Like In this world, you will have tribulation. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like for, for, for us, you know, I believe in faith that we, we claim our promises. I believe in that. Well, maybe we need to claim tribulation. You know, God, be, be, no, no, I'm, I'm just, I'm just kidding. But I'm, you, you know, I'm, I'm making a point here. So, uh, so we, we talk about a faith that 
overcomes the world. And this is the foundation and the perspective that we have as we fight the fight of life that we journey through. Like last week, I talked about the, uh, the, the, from the beginning, God, God, God has destined us to be, to be rulers and, and reign in, in this life. And in the end time where Christ uh, made a promise to the churches, to, to those who overcome, you will sit on my throne, reigning and ruling with me. But the point I, I was making is like, it's not just God's intention in the beginning, but, and, and also not just the end, you know, when we get there, but right now, we have the faith that will overcome the world. Yeah. So the Bible, as a matter of fact, the Bible exhorts us to fight the good fight of faith and take hold of eternal life. That's in First uh, Timothy, verse six, uh, chapter First Timothy six, verse eleven and verse twelve, where Paul exhorts exhorted Timothy, fight the good fight of faith and take hold of eternal life. It is a good fight. Why? Because it is a fight that's already been won by Jesus. And he wants us to participate in his victory. So all we need to do is just, just walk the journey. All right, so this morning I would like to add another layer of foundational truth that presents to us a guarantee concerning the victory that is already ours. Okay? Why is it a guaranteed victory? Because the passage that we just read before, okay, in the beginning, it tells us that there is a massive collaboration. In that uh, Romans chapter 8, there is a massive collaboration happening between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit to take us all the way to eternity. It's like the whole of Trinity is working together for us on our behalf, for those who are called. That's it. Imagine Father, Son, and Holy Spirit working together. And we'll, we'll see it clearer as we unpack this thing. Right? So let's, let's go, through the, go through Romans 8. Let's begin from where we began before, chapter 28. It says, And we know that for those who love God, everything works together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Okay? Everything works together. Now, as I look at the, the, uh, the Greek, because I, I often would do that, just look at the, the original text from the Greek. So the expression is like this. Everything works together such that leads us into good things. Okay, such that leads into good things. Everything that works together, it leads into good things. Not just for anybody. According to verse 28 there, not just for anybody, but for those who love God. Okay? So when you call all things will work together, no, 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 no. All things work together only for those who love God. Number one. Number two, for those who are called according to his purpose. That's why we've been pushing this idea of understanding our call, that we are called. All right? For those who love God and for those who are called according to his purpose. 
So how how's God gonna do that? Okay, how's God working it out? Okay, let's see. This is powerful. Let's go to verse 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the, this is Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Now, it's a mouthful of stuff there. But I want to... I want to highlight the, these five points. God foreknew, He predestined, He called, He justified, and He glorified. I'll say it again, all these five things. He foreknew, He predestined, He called, He justified, and He's He glorified and He glorified. The first three foreknew, predestined, and called. So God foreknew. He predestined and he called. So those three points reminds me of the scripture in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. The call of Jeremiah as a prophet. God came to him. And it says it like this. This is what God said to Jeremiah. And he's a young prophet. And the Bible describes him as a youth when he was called by God. So my understanding is youth probably just under 21, maybe 18, 17, 16. You know, around, around that age. And this is what God said to Jeremiah. He said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. And I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Powerful. Before I formed you in the womb, or before you were formed, other translators would say, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. And I appointed you as a prophet to the nation. So you can see this. God foreknew him before he was even conceived. And he predestined. Because he foreknew, he predestined. And then he called. He set him apart as a prophet to the nation. All of us who are called, that's what happened. God knew us before we were even conceived. And he also predestine us. So when you're here, you're believing in God, in Jesus, you are called God knew before he's, it's been predestined. Now here's the thing. It says, he also justified and he glorified. Okay. Now I want to, to highlight some things here. Notice all the, the, the five points there. For new, predestined, called, justified, all that's fine because justified is when Jesus died on the cross, we believe in him, we are justified. And my my eyes all of a sudden get uh, get uh, my attention to, to this last point, and that is he also glorified. And I thought, why why is in the past tense? I can understand pre, for new, predestined, and called in the past tense, expressed in the past tense, that's fine. But Glorified, so the idea of glorified, the Bible describes our glorification like Jesus in the glorified body after the resurrection where he walked through the wall and that kind of stuff. Like he, he, he can just be in one place and uh, yeah, a, a miraculous body. So 
I believe in in that sense. Now we are glorified, not this not this mortal body, but glorified body. Now that's somewhere in the future, but here it is expressed in the past tense. So I did my research, and then this is what scholars say, and I believe this because it is true. This is what the scholars have written. He said, what Paul is doing here in expressing this glorified in past tense is that Paul is imitating the Hebrew use of what they call the prophetic past. Okay? It is when a predicted event is marked out as so certain of fulfillment. It is usually described as though it had already taken place. Isn't that powerful? So the people of God, okay, those who are called, have not yet been glorified. However, their glory has been determined from eternity past. That's why he said, whom he justified, he also glorified. So our glorified state it's already been determined as far as God's concerned it's done alright so my question here is this how many of you are called I believe I'm called now I hope when you, as you listen to this to this sermon if you love Jesus just settle it in your heart I am called say that to yourself I am called because to you who love God and are called by him, all things work together for good. Okay, let's continue. Verse uh, 31. So with all that, then Paul said, so what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Hmm. So Paul then presents to us another truth that we need to seriously ponder on, okay? With all those things, okay, this is another thing we need to, 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 to really think carefully. Verse 32, listen to this. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will God not also with Jesus graciously give us all things? In this life. Yeah? So with that in mind, the question is, that Paul now presents, with everything that we see, the Trinity working for us, God did not spare his son, but give him up for us. And then he said, who shall bring any charge against God's elect. It is God who justifies. In other words, as the, judges of, uh, as the judge of all judges, he's the one who justifies. So who's going to bring any charge against his elect? And then verse 34, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, who paid the price. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. Now, I want to see the scenario here, all right? God justifies the just of all judges, like I said before. 
Christ died and paid the price for all our sins. Okay? God justifies. Christ died for us and paid the price for sin. More than that, he was raised from the dead to win on our behalf the victory of all victories. And not only that, currently, actively interceding for us, it's, it is as if Jesus is not going to stop until that day. He is still interceding for us. With all that, he comes, verse 35. This is when we can understand verse 35 that is quoted many times, but when you look at it in the context, like, wow, verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now, when you consider all that and see this in context, then you can see, okay, this question is like almost like a, a conclusion. Who then can separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. As it is written, Paul quoted uh, Psalm 44, like I said before, in verse 22. For your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. The reason Paul quoted these things is, is if, as if Paul is trying to say the fight that we are in now is nothing new. The Old Testament heroes had their own struggles as well, just like we have. And at times, as you read the book of Psalm here in Psalm 44, verse 22, at times, the writer, as you read, read the, the whole Psalm, it's like the writer feels, you know, in, in their walk, in their struggle, feel sometimes they feel abandoned or even disillusioned and all those things. And it's natural to feel like that. But here's what Paul said. That's fine for, for the writer of the book of Psalms. But now, in the New Testament reality, because of what Jesus is doing and because of what God is doing and the assistance of the Holy Spirit, in verse 37, he said, no. That's, yeah, that's just like us. We have, that, we have the struggle like the Old Testament writers. But here's the thing. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You notice he, it's like Paul takes all aspects of realities and life, like no height, no depth, even not just this life, but principalities. He's talking about cosmic rulers, principalities, or demonics, or angels, whatever, like no, no, no future power, no power now, like everything from time, from space, and from, from a, a, a dimension of spiritual dimension, none of those things can separate us, from, separate us from the love of Christ. So, what have you got to lose? It's like 
the scenario here. It's almost like I can see if I can can use an illustration. Imagine if if I'm about to go into a a boxing ring with 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 against somebody. Doesn't matter who it is, Mike Tarzan, whoever. But my coach would say to me, Bram, what you need to do is just 12 rounds. If your victory has already been already been decided, all you need to do is to last 12 rounds. And in that in that 12 rounds, you just don't go down, don't go down, keep on punching, don't go down. Just keep stand up and keep punching. However you perform, you've already been decided, the victory already been decided. So just keep standing up and keep punching. It's kind of like that, you know? And uh, that's why I think while we, we talk about the, the, the need to, be, to, to, to endure and all those things, it's almost like God is saying, listen, it's already been determined. It's just you just keep, just uh, walk the distance, run the distance, and go the journey. The victory is ours. Not just the end victory, but now. Like we're winning now. And here's the thing. When I mentioned before about the tribulation and the, the, the rapture and all those things. We're going to talk about uh, the, book, the book of Revelation in probably two weeks' time or three weeks' time. But my, my point is this. All right? I don't believe in all those things because I believe the church is refined through tribulations. That's when we shine. All right? That's when we actually show who we really are. Because like Diane said, we need to we are refined and, and uh, uh, salted by fire. I'm going to close with this, with this, uh, with this uh, scripture from Second Chronicles, chapter 16, verse 9. He said, For the eyes of the Lord run throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Okay? I'll read it again. The eyes of the Lord runs throughout the whole earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. That's ESV, English Standard Version. But I want to read American Standard. Slightly different, but I like it. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. I love that. For the eyes of the, of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him. It doesn't say to show himself strong on behalf of those who are smart, who are clever, who are powerful. No, no, no. God is looking to the heart. It doesn't say on behalf of those who are gifted or talented. No, he said God. It's like, I can imagine, it's like God, God's eyes looking throughout the whole earth. He's looking for somebody. Not the gifted, 
not the the uh, amazing talent. It's just God looks for the heart. So today, let's have our heart totally arrested by God, owned by God, and believe in Him. It's that simple. Just believe in Him. I don't know what this situation where, you know, all, all of us, different situations, like even the, the harder situation, let's, let just, let's just allow our hearts to be consumed by the love of God because sometimes our minds, our heads going everywhere, but it says, the Bible says, who can separate us from the love of God? And let the love of God consume us. So I'm going to pray for us, all right? But the love of God will permeate our hearts and faith will arise in our hearts because we are conquerors. And... Uh, through the abundance, Romans uh, quoted Romans five verse seventeen uh, last week. Through the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, we will rule and reign in this life. Let's pray, Father, in the name of Jesus. Doesn't matter what the situation is, Lord. You have not destined us to just crawl our way into the the uh, to the end and barely make it or escape tribulation, whatever it is, but in the midst of what's coming against us, we stand strong, our hearts are totally yours, and you will prove yourself strong on our behalf, just like the scripture says, Lord. Yes, Lord. So I pray for those people who are discouraged or who are struggling right now, that their hearts and their minds will be set on the word of God, on the truth that we just read Nothing can separate us from the love of, of God, from your love, through Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. We love you, Jesus. Let's just worship God. Let's just give our all to Jesus and worship him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord. God bless you. I love you all.